looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. And we are back with another episode of Make Money Makes Sense. I am your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host this week, DJ Smith. DJ, how are you doing this week again? Great. Excited to be with you for another great episode. Yeah, we've just been banging these things out lately. Our guest this week is Sarah King. Uh, we found her over on Instagram. She's Nerd's Guide to FI Financial Independence. She talks about some house hacking, some live-in flips, some duplexes that she's doing, and we touch on some tenant screening as well. So really good episode, especially for people that are looking to get started and just kind of figure out the basics. I think she did an awesome job. So let's uh, pull Sarah into the room. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Would you like to go ahead and take a quick minute and introduce yourself to our audience? Hey, thank you guys so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. So I'm Sarah. Um, you guys may or may not know me from Instagram. So I'm under the handle nerds guide to FI. Um, and I started out as a Dave Ramsey person and then slowly converted into the index fund fire people. And now I've like jumped like headfirst into real estate investing and have really just became a lover of debt. <laughs> Good yeah. debt. So that's kind of my kind of evolution on Instagram, but I have a podcast. Um, everything's under the same name. So I have a blog, a podcast, but everything's under Nerd Sky to FI. Um, yeah, I'm a real estate investor from Indiana and I invest in real estate um, and in addition to my day job. So so when I'm not um, chasing after a toddler who's almost two um, or working full time, I am shopping for houses. So that's kind of what I do. And I'm currently house hacking, which I think is how Dante and I connected. So yes. bonded over yeah. house hacking experiences. Exactly. So I, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I've really been enjoying your journey and the content you put out too. You've got almost 30,000 followers on Instagram just from you know this awesome page that just looks visually appealing and the content on <laughs> there you. as well is great. Um, and you also mentioned you have the podcast as well, your own. So that's pretty sweet. So yeah, just wanted to have you come on the show, share your experience with people, your strategy. Uh, we've got DJ as my co-host this week. Uh, tell us a little bit though about your journey, how you kind of got started. So I know you said you, you were Dave Ramsey hardcore as I think a lot of people in this business were, and that's kind of like my, my mom actually gave me the book a few years ago, uh, the complete money makeover. And yeah. it was just like, for me, it was like, I was working, I was saving up and I was like, ready to buy this like super awesome car at like 18 years old. <laughs> then she, she gave me this book. I read it and I like threw it on the couch and I was like, I never want to buy a car again. Like kind of yes. thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but tell us your journey. So how'd you get started? Um, so probably back in 2016, we really started. Um, so I was just freshly married at the time and we started just got into a ton of debt. So there was just a string of unfortunate events. And pretty soon you're like up to your eyeballs in debt and you aren't really paying attention. And I think you get out of, like, I went to grad school. So that meant I had to buy an even more ridiculous car than the average person, because you deserve the nice vehicle with that master's degree. Um, and so, yeah, just got into tons of car debt and both of us had financed vehicles and some credit cards that we used to always pay in full, but then one month you're like, oh, I don't really know if I can pay it in full. I'll just pay a little bit less this month. And then it kind of spiraled. And so we ended up just in a ton of debt and a friend was like, hey, you should follow Dave Ramsey. 
and then you learn your cars are probably the problem and that's devastating news. Um, but I'm a car person, so that's not good for me. Um, so then I waitressed and like, that's how I kind of gained. I think a lot of my friends on Instagram was just waitressing to pay off debt. So I'd work my full-time job. I'd get off work. I'd go waitress and I'd put all that money to debt. And so I did that for about a year and then quit. And then we finished paying off the rest of our debt. So we paid off 118,000 in two years. Um, and then somewhere in the mix of that, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, which everyone knows that's like the quintessential, like invest in real estate book. And then I also read Set for Life by Scott Trench, which is kind of my intro to Bigger Pockets, um, which was really good and really got sucked into the world of real estate because I, you know, I was interested because I'm like, we paid off debt so fast. And once we really got after it and it just seemed so crazy after doing all that to like be normal, I guess, and to like go back to like spending money mindlessly. And so I was like, what am I going to do with this savings rate once I'm done? And so saving into index funds sounded really boring because I'm like doing calculators and it's like 10 years from now, if you save every dime you've ever made, you can retire. And I'm like, well, that sounds really boring. It's like automatically depositing money every month and doing nothing, but real estate sounded much more tangible and like we can do it faster. So real estate is kind of where I went and then kind of slowly dipped my toes in the water. And now I've kind of gone off the deep end and now I'm like, how much, how many mortgages can I take out in my name? That'd be great. <laughs> so that's kind of the evolution. Um, and then in the past, yeah, couple of years, we've just really gone after it. So really started investing real estate in 2018. So, yeah. yeah so uh, it's really funny because you, your story, I think is very similar to a lot of people. I actually did the same thing. Master's degree, uh, you know, bought a motorcycle, bought a jet ski mm -hmm. and realized, boy, I got a pretty good salary, <clears throat> but I'm not making any money. Like yep. I'm not saving anything. I've accumulated all this debt. So you turned it around in two quick years. You learned about real estate. Uh, so now you've gone through this period where you unloaded your debt and now you're into real estate. Which direction in real estate did you take? What were some of the, you know, first or second projects that you took on? Yeah. So new real estate was where we wanted to go. And so I was like, Hey, we had bought like the nice house. So we bought a fixer, which is kind of the blessing. That's what got started. So we bought a house on five acres with a pond, like a nice property, but it was like a seventies ranch style home. And so we had already started remodeling it. And so I'm like, we need to remodel this and be like a live in flip. So that's really how we started was a live in flip. Um, so remodeled the whole thing. I painted that whole stinking house. We put new floors in, and took down all the wallpaper. Um, so I'm very, very acquainted with wallpaper removal at this point. Um, and then I was like, okay, I have I this bet crazy you really enjoyed that, right? Oh my, <laughs> it's, it's not that bad when you first start, but then by like wall number three, you're like, okay, I'm ready to be done. I feel that way about painting too. <laughs> um, because you're so excited to start. And then by the end, you're like, is this ever going to be over? Um, but yeah, so we did that. And then I convinced husband that we should sell that house and buy two smaller houses in town because we were kind of like this bigger piece of land out in the country. And like, if we sell this, this can be our seed money to do two 20% down payments here in the Midwest. So that was kind of our foray into doing that because I wanted a house hack originally, but that was a hard no from, you know, the person you're married to. And so I'm like, okay, we'll do another live in flip because we proved that works well. And then we'll buy our first rental with that money. So the downsizing was the big commitment then. Yeah. And when you're in a relationship or with a significant other, it is very hard to convince them of this vision you have, you know, like yeah, you, you read these books, you listen to these podcasts, you're like house hacking. This is the most amazing thing. 
but it's hard to convince someone else of that. I mean, it's very easy when, when you're by yourself, cause you can occupy the unit yourself or maybe even rent out some rooms in your unit plus the other unit. So definitely see how you guys got started there. Um, you said Midwest, what exactly, what market is this that you're in, in the Midwest? Um, so we're pretty rural. We're in Northern Indiana. Um, I'm in a, right now I'm in a small town called Middlebury, Indiana. You can Google it on a map. It's very tiny, but we're kind of outside of like South Bend, Goshen, Mishawaka, and probably an hour from Fort Wayne. So those are kind of the bigger cities that people know Indiana well, but everyone knows the Indianapolis market. I'm not in it, but it's only probably two hours away. So, okay. So not, not far at all. So you guys started with this basically live and flip, so to speak, you did all the work yourself, which is awesome. And then did you end up selling this and doing those two smaller ones? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what we did. So we took about $37,000 away from closing 35 to 37 and then bought two smaller houses, another primary residence, which did 10% down and then 20% on like a $78,000 rental. So, okay. So Midwest uh, prices. <laughs> yeah. Right. Much cheaper. So you lived in one and then you were renting out the other one. They're both single families. Yep. Yeah. Both single families. Okay. Awesome. So talk to us a little bit about like the debt that you're taking on, on these properties, the mortgages. So are you going to portfolio lenders? Are they Freddie Fannie? Um, what are you doing that is attractive and working for you guys or you and your portfolio? Um, yeah. So the first so the next live and flip we did was just conventional financing 10% down as a owner occupied house. Um, and then the next one was 20% down in a conventional, um, we will end up using a portfolio loan, but not yet. Um, because we hadn't really established the business yet. And so the next house, we just did the 20% standard down payment, um, with a conventional loan. So we end up getting into portfolio loans later, but that was not, um, part of that journey. So so that's how you acquired the properties. Uh, what about, you know, you, you got some construction costs, right? How did you go about uh, managing your finances there? Did you raise any other money? Tell us that part of it. Um, so ironically, the $78,000 was turnkey, which like doesn't happen anymore, I feel like. Um, so we literally put like $500 into it and it's all cash flowed. And then our live in flip, we slowly did that over the next couple of years and just cash flowed that as well. Um, but at this point, our savings rate was probably about 50%. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I will say for our primary residence, we were still kind of Dave Ramsey people. So we did a 15 year mortgage on that. And now like knowing what I know now about real estate, I would never do a 15 year again, but that's just me. Um, because if I ever wanted to make that house a rental, it's pretty close on numbers for a rental and the 15 year just kills all your cash flow because your payment is so high. And I also think that's one good thing I guess I learned about Dave Ramsey is, you know, he pushes those 15 year mortgages, but really it's not nearly as safe if you think about it, because if you do a 30 year, that's your lowest down payment. You always have the option to pay a 30 year, like a 15. So you can do the same thing, but if you lose your job or something goes bad, you have flexibility with the 30. So I think it's interesting. He pushes, like he's such an anti-risk guy, but he pushes those 15 Let's have years. This. Let's head that. So that is my debate, discussion because we all we all I think we all agree the thirty. So my big thing, and DJ, I know you're going to say something. I apologize no, for interrupting you. So I there's always the people that are always like, oh, you know, Dave Ramsey, he's wrong about this, that, assets, liabilities, you know, debt, all that good stuff. But I think what people need to understand is what he's going after. His market is people that really don't understand financials, financing, and, and struggle with saving and credit cards where credit cards are the worst thing. I think they're great. You know, the amount of miles I have right now and, and uh, cash back I have saved up, it's because I know how to use those properly and I, I leverage credit cards properly or I leverage debt property. So 
Um, let's again, just touch on that 15, 30 year um, for mortgages. I always thought it was in the beginning, it was get the house paid off as soon as possible. It'll be a cash cow. We'll just start bringing in cash. Um, but what I realized is leverage is such a strong tool to increase those returns. And as you, you know, cash flow is the name of the game. The more cash flow you get, the more you're going to be able to pay for more properties and more down payment. Um, and personally, I'm the kind of person where if I have a large amount of equity in a property, I want to do a cash out refinance, access that equity, keep the property and put it on another one. Yeah. And, you know, see, so the only thing I was going to say is we don't, what Dave Ramsey does works for some people, right? right? It's, we are not saying his strategies are bad. Mm -hmm. uh, we just, with the decisions that the three of us have made with regard to real estate, they're not the right ones for us. Um, exactly. So, yeah. So his strategy is really good. If you, if you want to do your W-2 job and get your home paid off and live debt free, uh, that's his, his shtick, right? Um, yep. and, it, and it's a good thing. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We love the power of real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, and Sarah, you now uh, have also incorporated social media into yeah. that. So talk to us now about, about that piece. How do you get so many followers? Like what's going on there? consistency over time. My answer is terrible. Like I've done nothing to do a following. I've done nothing to really grow anything. And I'm like the least consistent, po like I'll post like five things in one day and then do nothing for two weeks. Like it's, it's not strategic. It's just consistent. And I think you put out things with the goal to help people and to put out content. They're like, Hey, I learned this. This is pretty cool. Um, it's like sharing your journey. Yeah. And people just want to go, like, I kind of started out, you know, just wanting to kind of commiserate with people that were also trying to pay off debt and all your friends think you're insane. So you just need someone that doesn't think you're crazy. And that's kind of how you started. And then the real estate world on Instagram is just extremely supportive. Like people are cheering for you and they have no idea why they're cheering, but it's great <laughs> for better or worse. It's kind of entertaining out there. So, you know, yeah, definitely yeah. grew it to just you know, help people and to kind of give yourself a community. So, yeah. So Dante and I do a meetup and it's uh, kind of a combination of in-person online now, especially with me be being down in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. uh, but we really like that aspect. And he's actually got a really cool camera in his office now. Um, <laughs> that makes it really great. <clears throat> it is it's pretty sweet. Let me touch on this real quick. It's called the yeah. owl. And uh -huh. it, so the top of the zoom screen, it shows a 360 of the entire office. And then uh -huh. whoever speaks, it zooms in on in the bottom left and right. So if like one person's on one side of the room, they'll zoom in on their face while they're talking. And then another person on the other side, it's just cool. So I got to show that off this it, week. That's it cool. really is a, a neat little device for these meetups. But my, my point is we want to, even though it has an online component, share with people um, mm -hmm. and have them talk. And people are so reluctant to talk, but you sharing your journey and people that want to do real estate, talk about the importance of this networking, whether it be in person or through social media, how has it impacted you? How has it improved you? How important is networking uh, in your journey? I think it's huge just because you're around people that have a mindset and there's, you know, I feel like there's always these viral posts that people put out where you're like, you are the sum of the whatever number of people you're around with, which is very cliche. But I think I live in a small community. Like I'm not going to find 
people my age that are thinking investing in real estate and everything are really cool. Like my friends are like, please stop talking about it. Like my parents can only do so much for me. So I feel like you, you need an outlet of people to kind of level up if you want to really get aggressive with things. And so I think just putting yourself with people that think similarly. So I have this like OG mastermind that we didn't even really realize was a mastermind for a while, but we just, have this little group of people on Instagram of all different ages and all over the United States. I think there's seven of us that have this little group and it's just been phenomenal to be able to ask questions to. And, um, like one of the ladies in the group, she's from Oregon and I heard her husband invest in real estate. And I remember like, so we bought our first rental, the one we were talking about actually. And I remember like crying in Aldi being like, Oh my gosh, like I have to find tenants. Like I have to put people in this house. Like the bank is trusting me with this like money and like granted it isn't a lot, but after paying off debt and learning like how much it really is to pay off like 80 some thousand dollars, you're just like, okay, well now I have to do things. And this is all on me. Like you know, finding, like, I have to find like lease agreements and get deposits. And do I like walk them through the lease? Do I walk them through like a teacher where you're like, these are the terms of lease agreement or you just like hand it to them and hope they read it. Like just like all the little logistical things. I had a little meltdown and she's like, call me, we'll talk it through. And it's just nice to have a support system. And I think that's what Instagram has kind of given me is this support system of really awesome people all over the United States that are kind of cheering you on and just there for questions and they can call you if they need advice or kind of moral support. And it's a good network and it's amazing how you can build friendships online. So yeah. And real estates, it's not easy. Uh, There are a lot of peaks and valleys that you go through emotionally. I'm sure you've experienced some of those, right? Yeah. Um, You know, the programs that are out there and the people that are selling programs, and I've been a part of one, it's, it's how I got my real estate education. Uh, I think they're, they're good things, but they do seem to sell the easy part of it. <laughs> yes. Not, not so much the hard. They're great for networking. So again, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say you, you need to decide, each person needs to decide what's right for them. Uh, but you mentioned uh, leasing. Uh, so now that you're, you now own properties and you have other people living in them, uh, talk to us about some of the trials and tribulations relative to that part of your business. So leasing property is one of my like exciting areas. Like I love talking about this because I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it, but I think it's entertaining because you almost like parent people when you like screen your own tenants. So you're like, so I love a pre-screen, like pre-screen is amazing. I have this like on my blog, except it's, um, I'm redoing it right now. So it it will be on the blog by Friday. Um, so by the time this airs, hopefully it's out there. If not, I've done something terrible and messed up. Um, but anyways, right. so I've for, been the more- for the record, we're, we're airing this on <laughs> April 29th, 2021. So depending Perfect. on when people pull it up, <laughs> that's good. It, that is, um, accountability for me because I need to get it done because I just keep staring at it being like, is it ready yet? Um, so anyway, because I do this like really lengthy pre-screen and I don't run a credit or background check until the very end. Like when I know a someone is going to be in that house, then I'll credit and background check them. But otherwise it's like a test. Like, did you lie to me? <laughs> and so <laughs> like, I kind of figure out the quality or like the character of a person through the pre-screening process. And like, if I fight If I start finding surprises, we're going to have a conversation. We're probably going to be done here Uh, because I don't do lying. I don't do like hiding like income. So we're going to confirm all these things. I'm going to need to be honest from the beginning. And so I kind of talk through how we do that and how all these little things that are built into the process are a test. Um, Because if people are jerks, you'll probably figure it out by making them do a bunch of steps. (laughs) 
honestly, because I have people like yelling at me on Facebook marketplace being like, are you going to show me this house? I'm like, have you done my pre-screen yet? No, I can't figure it out. I'm like, well, this is a test because number one, everything I do is online. So if you can't figure this out now, we're not going to be a good fit Two, you're now yelling at me on Instagram and all cap or like on Facebook marketplace and all capitals. Like this is going to be a no for me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's like one of the biggest parts is tenant screening, I think is, especially when you're doing like the small singular multifamilies and you're doing self-managing. I mean, that is the foundation of it all is your tenant screening. That's so important. People are like, what if they get bad tenants and everything? It's like, well, you need to learn how to tenant screen. And Brandon Turner and his uh, wife, I believe her name is Heather, their book, the the yellow one, I think it is not the blue one. Uh, That's a phenomenal book. And it has a section in there on, you know, pick selecting tenants, screening tenants and what you should be doing. And that's huge. Like places that I really like to go to when I was self-managing was Facebook marketplace, uh, Zillow. Those are probably two of the best spots. I never, ever put anything up on Craigslist. Craigslist is kind of old. Facebook's the new Craigslist. And, uh, I'd put up a unit and I'd probably get 300 to 400 inquiries, but the amount of people that really qualify is probably 10% of that. And then the people that actually show up and message you back is probably another 10% of that 10%. (laughs) So at the, at, at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many people, but it's about how you weed it out. And so every time someone sends me a message right off the bat, I'll just send them, Hey, these are my criteria, uh, that I look for three times a gross rent. It, depending on the area, 600 or 650 higher credit score, non-smoking, um, and if, like a few other things. Most of the time people read that and they won't even respond because they know they won't meet it. And so it's just right. reading out the tenants. Um, and another little strategy I like to do, because A, when you go to schedule appointments with these people, half the time they're never showing up. And I'm not going to text them in advance and be like, hey, we still on for our meeting. I want them to just know that they need to be there. So what I would do is I would hold open houses or open showings and yeah. I'd have like 10 to 15 groups come through at the same time. It would show there's, you know, some competitiveness to get the apartment. It kind of shows, you know, the people that are going to show up versus the ones that aren't because I'm not going to be sitting there waiting around. Uh, and by the time that's done, I've got five, 10 applications and I can just kind of siphon through and pick out the best one. And then, like you said, Sarah, going at the very end, after everything checks out, doing that credit and background report. Yeah. I, I, I found a surprise felony before. So now I'm just like very particular about my screening process. Like you really didn't think I'd find this out at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like being you detective. literally paid for this background check. So it's very interesting. So, but your screening, pro- like how you broke it down is so correct because when I was making my little handout, I'm like, I kind of need to go for like the sales funnel to them because a lot of people don't. So I, like did my, like I went to business school also. And so I'm like, my brain operates in like sales funnels, but a lot of people don't think like that. So I'm like, okay, you start without like a hundred applicants and then you work your way down the funnel and you maybe show the house to like three, five, six people. And so, and those open house style showings, I feel like when you're brand new as a landlord, you think, oh, that's a terrible way to do it. But if you do one showing where you give people like a half hour slot each, you're going to want to poke out your eyes because people just don't show up. And then you're like, I was here for three hours and talked to two people. This yeah. Is and we terrible. Just, we're busy. We don't have time to sit around yeah. with people that don't even really qualify. Mm-hmm. So it's the best way everyone's going through. And, you know, again, it shows that competitiveness that, Yeah, Uh, you know, I can't be demanding because there's other people here that are looking at the same thing. So I'm going to have to be more aggressive. Yeah. And there's just like little red flags that you learn over time. Like I, when people like wanted to put a deposit down right away immediately, I feel like that's a red flag too now. Oh, I'll cash. I got cash. I'll pay for right now. I got cash. I'll pay. What can we do to get into this today? And I'm like, what am I going to find? Why are we in a hurry? (laughs) And I think that's the other thing is like people push their sense of urgency on you. 
and you're like, wait, wait, this is my property. Like, this is fine. Like, I don't need to be in a hurry. I don't need to show you this house today. You don't need to come by this weekend. Like if I want to show you it in two weeks, that's fine. And they just, yeah, their sense of urgency is not your sense of urgency. And I think a lot of people get caught up in, oh my gosh, I have to show this house or I'm going to lose them. It's like, it wasn't right from the beginning. Like, don't, but again, I think that's like setting the tone of how this relationship works where you're like, I am the property owner. This is my home. Like this is, or like the house I'm managing and you don't let them bully you. Exactly. (laughs) Some people literally are bullies out there and you're like, no, I'm not showing you this house. Like, please don't scare my tenants by coming around on the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And like, so I always took the approach where I told people I was the property manager. I never told people I was the owner. And it was kind of funny because like, over time, they're just like, yeah, this is the landlord. This is the land. Like every time I'd be over, Hey, the landlord's here. Something I'm just like, I'm the property manager. And they're like, yeah, landlord, you know, and they just didn't know the difference because I just didn't yep. want them to be like the decision maker. If they had a question or something, right. I'd be like, Oh, I have to go talk to the owner. You know, I'm not the owner. I'm the property manager. So just another yep. fun little tip. Yeah. Um, a lot of people do that. Um, this one was harder because I'm like, like the last one I just screened for was my house hack. And I will tell you, it's a whole different animal when you're like, I live upstairs. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. You're right there. So, so that's, that's changed it a little bit because otherwise I just you don't can't really it. claim you're the property manager. If you live upstairs, right. Because people would get there for showings early and I'd like walk out of my house to like go outside. I'm like, there's no surprise that I didn't like, just like roll out of my house that I live in. <laughs> exactly. So unless I'm just really weirdly close to my tenants and are like hanging out upstairs, like doubt it. So so what about today? What does today look, 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 excuse me. What does today look like for you? Your portfolio? What does that consist of? How many doors, how many buildings? And uh, what are you bringing in as far as cash flow or the return you're looking to get? Yeah. So right now I have my house hack that I'm living in. So I'm living for free now, which is awesome. Um, actually I'm living for like 50 bucks right now, but as of May 1st, I'll be living for free, which is very exciting. Um, And then, so I have this house and then right now we're in the process of selling our whole portfolio that me and my husband had owned together. So I got a divorce for people that don't, haven't learned that yet. Um, And so we decided the easy way to just solve things versus like scrambling over properties is let's just liquidate and start over. And so because the market is just so high right now. And so right now we have the second live-in flip that we did. Um, He's living in that property at the moment. We have two single family homes and a duplex. And right now we're cash flowing about $200 a door kind of as we're at now, the duplex is vacant right now. So like, it is not cash flowing whatsoever. So right now we're actually probably, if you did all the, the like property management, vacancy reserves, everything, we're probably cash flow negative. Um, but it's just because we have two vacancies and we're waiting to sell all the properties. But, um, if you run the numbers on each individual property, it's between two to $300 a door is kind of where we're aiming for right now. So yeah, but we're about to sell everything. Um, we should with the market being so crazy. So we started buying everything in 2018. So in three years, um, we should, after we sell everything, get about gross, about $300,000 if I had to guess. And we put about 91 to like a hundred in. So yeah. We're, well, thank you. A, 2021. <laughs> this is a show about real estate, but for anybody who is looking for a, a beautiful young lady who you know has a vision in real estate. <laughs> I came on the show today for matchmaking. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, the, but this is about real estate. There is an opening though. Uh, certainly a tremendous vision. I do want to go. Applications. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. 
I, I do. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to screen. I those. will background check you. Um, <laughs> and right. I have a friend who's a lawyer who will like run everything for you. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so you, you in the screening, and that's actually what I wanted to go back to, because you mentioned it relative to tenants. Mm-hmm. But I think the same applies for contractors. And I've done more with contractors yes. than I have with tenants. Uh, but making them jump through a few hoops, right? Can they fill out an application properly? Uh, kind of a sign of how well they're going to work with you, right? Do you do some of that too? I don't, but I should because I've had yeah. like hell year for contractors. Yeah, gotcha. So, <laughs> okay. Because yeah. normally I had a handyman and then my handyman yeah. is unavailable now. Um, so now it's just me. And so I managed this whole house hack by myself. And then I mm-hmm. fell into the trap of, I went with the cheapest bid, which I like, I know you shouldn't do, but you're like, I'm getting a divorce. Like this is expensive. Um, this is really crazy. And I was supporting all the mortgages for all the properties. Um, so every, like all five of them that we, oh, we have a piece of land too, all five properties. And so I'm like, I like don't have time to spend, you know, what this really high quote was with this guy, with a team of people that would probably have been done, you know, months prior to when we actually finished. And then we went like super over budget, spend way more time. Um, they ended up like quitting partway through because they're like, Hey, family emergency, like I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, go attend to your family, but also holy cow. Now I have to find another contractor. And so I just kind of like piecemealed the whole thing together and kind of acted as general contractor and like just subbed out everything. So I have like a floor and trim guy. I have an electrician, I have a plumber. Um, and I never want to do that again. <laughs> so that is yeah. what I've learned is the piecing it together yourself ended up being significantly more work and more money and more time than if I would have went with the original high bid, like the highest bid would have saved me money. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I think the, the lesson here and part of what I wanted to share with people is uh, scope, schedule, and budget, extremely important. Make sure you have it detailed, make sure you have it in writing. Um, certainly in that screening process uh, is making sure that, you have a contractor who can fill out an application and write a proper scope of work. Um, and, you know, the other piece of advice we'll, we'll say here is never give money up front. Tell mm-hmm. them you love to pay them. Um, get them on a payment schedule. Mm-hmm. But if you're dealing with a contractor who can't move because they can't buy any materials, uh, you know, they should be buying that stuff on a credit line that they can hold for 30 days. Uh, and you, you know, once that money is out of your pocket, we've heard so many horror stories. So I, I think it's always a good reminder, uh, in a share. Uh, and I was curious to see if you advanced, uh, you know, with yeah. your tenant screening, like you have with your contractor. Yeah. So I have a contractor so- starting next week, actually. And mm-hmm. he is one of the expensive ones I quoted the first time around. So I did the whole downstairs is done. So I rehabbed mm-hmm. the entire thing. And it was about 26,000 by the time we were done. Um, but we had to like tear the roof out, tore the floors out, added walls. Like it was pretty yep. significant. Upstairs, I'm doing my bathroom, putting no money down up front. Um, we've talked about a scope of work. Um, he's bringing in his own subcontractors and my life is hopefully gonna be better this time around. So take two, the more expensive option. We're gonna see how this goes and see if I've learned some things. So it's- yeah. Every house teaches you stuff. That is what I've learned. (laughs) And and that's definitely the biggest part. I mean, if you listen to any real estate podcast, if you read any books or talk to anyone on the forums, it's usually the contractors. That's the hiccup in the whole process. I mean, I've I've had a bad experience with contractors as well. You know, I've switched out two, three contractors before on one project just because I kept running into issues and 
it was kind of a, you know, solve it by not going with the bottom feeder. And that's truly <laughs> what it is. You know, we had a, yep. we got three plumbing quotes because we gutted this whole house, ripped out every, every single piece of plumbing. And we had three plumbers come in and, you know, price out the whole thing. And of course, you know, to meet the guidelines for the project and the pricing, we went with the lowest one and it never ended up getting done. You know, we, we got jerked around for six weeks and just never showing up to the job site. Then we picked one that was a little bit more expensive and they, they got it done. So I think that's super important. And DJ knows all about that as he was site development and chemical engineer and was always with contractors and construction yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, We should have chatted before I did my basement project. That's right. <laughs> but, but what's really neat when it's done right, it doesn't matter whether it's in the industrial world or whether you're doing a single family home, you know, having stuff in writing is key. And, you know, I think to solve that equation of how do I manage payments, cut a check every week. Uh, set up a, a payment schedule, a milestone schedule based on what work they've done and pay them according to the work that's finished. You can still pay them quickly. Uh, so they're really not out any money because chances are they're not paying cash for their materials. I don't know too many of the good ones that are. So, yeah. That makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, that's huge. Well, awesome. uh, DJ, did you have anything else for Sarah? Or do we want to head over to our uh, next section of the show? No, we, Dante, I think we need to increase our Instagram presence. Uh, I agree. So, My goodness. You know, yes. Hire Sarah we'll, for marketing. We'll, we'll there you go. Some, yeah, so definitely. I have a funny yeah. story about my rental right now. Do you want to hear this? So I haven't talked about oh, you this go yet. For it. So I'll give you something. <laughs> okay, so I've been in the process of screening for my house hack and I've been screening people for like three weeks now. And last, so usually when I screen people, I, I don't know if I've been lucky or just fortunate or whatever, but like I usually find the person I want in the first like month, like the first like time I post it, like within a few hours, a few days, like I usually get someone super quick. And for some reason for this house hack, I just can't find someone that I like. And I know it's someone that you have to have live below you and I'm being more picky, but, um, I like, I literally was talking to someone. I'm like, I don't know. It was just like one of those moments where you feel like it was meant to be because I'm like, I am just ripping out my own hair right now, trying to find someone. And then all of a sudden I get this phone call and this is terrible, but this is how to not manage properties or how to manage them. However you want to look at it. So I've just stopped answering my phone. Like, I'm like, you know, you can go online and fill out an application and I'll get back with you via email. I've said this in a million different places. So I'm just not answering my phone anymore because this business number rings so much. And I have a separate number for the screening that I do for like repairs and maintenance and whatever. So I'm not like ignoring my tenants. Um, but I just stopped answering the phone dedicated to finding a new tenant. And for some reason, this number rang in and it was like from Arizona and I couldn't remember. So I just sent out some yellow letters and one of the properties was in Arizona. So I answered this number and I haven't been for months and it was a lady from Allstate. And she's like, there is a lady, um, who lives a town away from you and her house just burned down. She's 28 years old. And we would like to put her in your rental while they rebuild her home. And my rent price of my house hack is $1,400 a month, which is expensive, but everything's included utilities, all of that. And so, you know, I'm talking to her, I'm like, you know, I really don't want to do a short-term lease. I just did a six month with my tenants. They've been fantastic, but it just sucks. Like they move out after six months and you have to start all over. And this is the most time consuming process is finding new people. And, you know, she was like, well, we can pay you, you know, some extra for your time to have a shorter lease. And I'm like, okay, but I'm really not going back into winter because I constantly do this to myself. Like I end up with like needing to find a tenant in like January mm, or December yeah. and I'm not ending up in November and December and her house be complete. And I have to like keep paying 
for this tenant. I'm like, so I would love to help this lady out. Like I really like helping people, but can we work together? Can you guarantee me that we're going to make it through the end of the year? So I'm going to get a signed eight month lease at minimum because I'm like, I don't want to do any shorter than that because I can find tenants pretty easy in January. But if you leave me in November and December, I'm like up a Creek finding people that don't have like felonies and attack dogs. Uh, <laughs> Cause I've done so this true. a lot now. In that season. Yep. <laughs> and so they, she's like, yeah, we can pay a little bit extra. And she went to her like adjuster or whatever. They're paying me $1,700 a month guaranteed for the next eight months. All state is cutting me a check for this girl to live here. And that is pretty sweet. And I've never been more excited before. So I'm making like $300 a month to no, live. No wonder why my all state policy is so high. Thank, yeah, right? So I appreciate you. <laughs> for, I also have all state. I'm like, this is what I'm paying for. <laughs> That is I was hilarious. Thinking it'd be like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, no, $300 more. Wow. Than. That's awesome. And that covers yeah. in, you know, 300 times eight, whatever that number is, it's whatever. And yeah. uh, that'll cover you for X months after that, in case you do have those turnovers. So that is, that's pretty sweet. I've never heard that. Oh, that's pretty unique. I've never heard of that. And this poor lady. So, and I was, and then, so my dad's like, this sounds too good to be true. Did she like burn down her house? house? Are you like moving like an arsonist into your home? And so- <laughs> I'm like, valid point, dad, I'll go ask because my parents are, you know, very supportive. And so give them a call and say, you know, I'm like, I just want to make sure that, you know, this was, you know, an accidental. And so this poor girl is not self-inflicted, not in self-inflicted pain. (laughs) I'm like, which is valid because I'm like moving you into my personal residence. And did you burn your own house down? Right. Um, so she is 28 years old. The first week she lives in her house, it was either some dish guy, direct TV, something came to her house, was installing the new cables. It was a brand new build. So they hadn't really ran everything before screwed through an electrical line, caught her house on fire and burned it down. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I guess that that's a, you know, an example you can verify. Uh, I was going to ask if you had any clauses in the lease agreement where, you know, she's not allowed to have candles or matches. <laughs> yeah. Stove. I know. Yeah. You put there an electric stove in stove, instead so. of gas. Yeah. <laughs> Moving that out over this weekend. No kidding. Oh, that's awesome. So, so that's my well, story of the day. So I just signed a lease and Allstate is mailing me a check as we speak. So I, I'm like, I'll see it when I believe it. So I haven't been one to say it out loud yet because I'm like, I just feel like this is too good to be true, but here we are. So, Allstate, but after a really crazy year, I, I feel like I'm in good hands. So <laughs> I like it. Well, that, that was pretty cool. I never heard that one before, but let's head over to our section of the show called the curious cues. So uh, we're going to throw some questions at you that we throw at all of our guests and we'll get your answer. Sarah, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> all right. Question number one, favorite podcast you enjoy listening to besides your own podcast and besides our podcast and besides bigger pockets. Cause everyone says that. Um, trying to think. I mean, honestly, I listen to coach Carson a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I listen to afford anything with Paula Pant. She is kind of one of the OGs that I really followed a long time. Um, and I listen to like a couple mm-hmm. non-real estate podcasts too, but probably less exciting. So I do a lot of mindset work. Um, so there's a podcast called unfuck your brain also highly recommend if you want to work on mindset. So it's a pretty good one. <laughs> there we go. Uh, favorite book you enjoy reading. Oh, the simple path to wealth is my favorite book of all time because it okay. essentially teaches you what you need to do in your 401ks, IRAs. And it's like the quintessential, like do index funds book. You read it and then you're like, oh, sweet. I know how to invest. So did that check the box and then you move on with your life. There's there no go. like what risk tolerance am I like? No, you buy index funds and you don't worry about it. So <laughs> that's like a good it. one. 
Yeah. Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome throughout your entire real estate journey. Oh, finding a, I guess the, when your business partner isn't um, like, you're not able to work together anymore. I think that's what Mm. I've kind of learned through this whole like marriage thing is um, when you're your partner and you just like aren't on the same page anymore. So it was been a really interesting year in that respect because, um, so I don't know how much you want me to talk about, but anyway, yeah. So just kind of learning on the same page where they're going in a different direction and they're like not showing up to work essentially. And you have to figure out a way to kind of dissolve the partnership and protect yourself a little bit from what's happening because, you know, they're not on the job when they say they're going to be and like, yeah funds go missing, that kind of thing. So yeah. And you all these strategies and processes in place that you've built up and now you kind of have to reset it all. So because I'm like the paperwork person and not like the handyman side. And so it just depends. Like, so I guess I'm really cautious in partnerships. I know some people love them. Some people don't. Um, but I'm kind of in the vein of like hiring my other people and kind of keeping myself at the reins of things now. Like I would probably shy away from partnerships in the future because I've lived through when it doesn't work out. Um, but other people have great success stories with partnerships. So I guess it just depends who you're partnering with. So. Okay. Favorite non-real estate related hobby. So in your free time, what are you doing? Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> uh, okay. Honestly, that's probably it. Or hanging out with a toddler because she's hilarious and we go to the park a lot. So lots of walks in the nice weather we're having right now. That is awesome. I love that. And then newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's looking to get started in real estate? things go wrong for every house. Um, like Mm. things will go wrong. Like every time, like you're like, Oh, we planned for everything. No, you didn't. (laughs) Um, and every house teaches you something. And I think with real estate, it's more of mindset. Like things will go wrong with real estate and everything's a problem to solve. Like there's nothing you can't solve. Like someone out there has found a foundation like this before someone out there has found a roof problem and you're not the only one that's had that issue before. So just building out your team and being patient with that. Um, because you're just kind of always learning. And if you just are like, okay, I'm going to wake up today and it's just a problem to solve. Like furnaces break. If you get into the business, hoping a toilet and a furnace never break and you don't have issues and you don't keep cash on hand, you're going to be really frustrated. But if you wake up being yeah. like, yeah, furnace broke today. That's what I did when I bought four houses. So, you know, I'm, I'm now responsible to keep four furnaces working. So this is now my job. And so I think as long as you kind of adjust your mindset to, you know, this is a test of systems versus right. stuff's so, going to happen. Like people just tend to have a really negative mindset. I think around things breaking, but things will break. You own a bunch of houses. That's how this works. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> so. Well, Sarah, this has been great. If you want to take a quick moment to plug in your, your podcast, your Instagram, where people can get a hold of you and uh, if they want to get in contact with you. Yeah. So Nerd's Guide to Financial Independence or FI um, on Instagram, the podcast under the same name as well. And then you can go check that out. Um, Blog is out there as well. It's kind of neglected, but right now we're working on some course content, which should be out hopefully by Friday. So that will be exciting. So it's all about tenant screening and kind of some processes I've developed and some questions and explains the little funnel that Dante and I were chatting about earlier. So (laughs) it's important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, it was great. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you for your transparency. I think, uh, you know, everybody's journey is different. Dante and I make it a point to not judge anybody else's journey and, uh, you know, getting real with people and sharing with them your story like that. 
I, I think is just a great place of encouragement because we all have our own stories to tell and we all right. have to learn from them. So great. And stuff. the divorce rate is so high in the United States. And I think I, I rarely hear people talk about it. I'm like, I think it would be a disservice to go through like a major life-changing event that half of Americans have gone through yep, and yeah. yet no one seems to be talking about it and being like navigating it and like keeping a good mindset and keeping going and being like, no matter what, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to rebuild and I'm going to chase my dream. And it's pretty awesome to kind of just make it part of the story because, you know, it's just life. Like life always happens. Like everyone has stuff. So I don't want to like not talk about it. Yeah. Because I Mindset. Think it's, Mindset yeah. has been a recurring theme on our podcast from many different angles. So if there's oh, yeah. one thing you take out of this, uh, yeah. you know, that real estate mindset, Sarah's a great example of that. You've been a great guest. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of work. <laughs> so mindset is a job as well. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Sarah. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.